0: Welcome to Mi'kmaq Matters, a podcast about Mi'kmaq people, politics, land, and water. I'm Glenn Wheeler. Support independent Mi'kmaq media. Become a patron at patreon.com forward slash Mi'kmaq Matters. Or if you prefer, you can send us an email transfer at mi'kmaq.matters at gmail.com. It's a late January afternoon and I'm here with James Cook in Cornerbrook, the famed English captain dominates the only National Historic Site in this city. There is no sign of it now, but there used to be a Mi'kmaq community called Crow Gulch down below. No sign of Crow Gulch now, but James Cook is here in all his glory. On the other side of the world, Indigenous people are also assessing the legacy of James Cook. The last weekend in January is officially known as Australia Day, but for Indigenous people, it's Invasion Day, marking the original invasion of the continent by the English colonizers and their impression ever since. This year, James Cook looms even larger, the 250th anniversary of the arrival of Cook in Australia, and the national government is spending millions of dollars to celebrate the event. Cook is better known for his Australia endeavors than for his visits to North America, including what is now known as Newfoundland. But it was here that he developed his impressive navigational skills. He applied the waters down below me for several summers before he headed off to those southern seas. Cook is a much more divisive figure down under than he is here. In past years, protesters threw paint on the many statues dotted around the country, especially the one in Sydney that bears the inscription, "Discovered This Territory, 1770. Our guest this week is Ray Minikin, a pastor and indigenous activist in Australia. I spoke with him about James Cook and the history of racism and oppression of Indigenous people that began with his arrival.
1: The Gurang Gurang is on my mother's side, mm-hmm. and that's up in. This is all in Queensland. Yes. Uh, more central, or just just south of central Queensland. It's a place called Bundaberg and Gladstone in that region. There, that's where uh, that's my mother's country. I was born on my mother's country there, and. On my father's side is south of that, which is the uh, Cubby Cubby people. And actually uh, here in my mother's country there on the, <clears throat> on the coast there, there is a little place there called uh, the town of 1770. And uh, that's where uh, Cook lost his anchor there. The thing about Cook was that uh, you know, regardless of uh, who he is, one of the characteristics that he, he was, he was an incredible, um, uh, sailor. And also an incredible, um, uh, you know, person who, who, who could really, really, um, follow the stars and, uh, and, and map countries. He was a brilliant, brilliant, um, see, he had brilliant seamanship. He was a brilliant navigator. And we know that when he came down our country, I'm not quite sure about your country there, but when he came down into our region, he was sent down here to actually study the uh, study Venus and its, it's tra- tra- tracks through the uh, skies. And when the uh, crown heard of this, they said, oh, well, if you're going to go and do this, you might as, might as well go and find some land for us as well. Mm. <laughs> yeah. And that's how... Cook came down our way.
0: As we are talking uh, now, we're coming up to what in Australia you uh, call Invasion Day, or some Australians refer to Australia as Australia Day. In the past, yeah. uh, you've uh, organized uh, a few protests on, uh, on Invasion Day. For people in this part of the world who don't know about Invasion Day, tell us what
1: that is. Well, that's the... Day that uh, not not James Cook, but uh, Arthur Phillip um, sent 13 boatloads of convicts into our country here and landed here at Sydney Cove, and uh, claimed that this is where they set up their first colony. It was in 1770 James Cook planted the flag on a place called Possession Island, way up in the top of the country, up there in the north of north of Australia, between between Australia and Papua New Guinea there was a little island there called he called possession Island now that belonged to the Torres Strait Islander community or the people something in that area and uh, that was in 1770 August the 22nd 1770 when he took possession or claimed possession of the east coast of Australia for King George the third and and uh, just overnight, we all became British citizens without our knowledge or without our permission. Mm. And and that's in 1770. So eight years later, the uh, the British had a problem with their prisoners and so they were looking for a place to dump them and we're the ones who ended up with them. Mm. And it, it, the interesting thing about our country and uh, over there in Canada or North America as well is that you guys got the pilgrims, we got the prisoners. Mm. Same country, same people, mm. <laughs> and yet whether they were pilgrims or whether they were prisoners, we got the same results. <laughs> yes.
0: Well, it is it is striking to uh, to read the history of uh, your part of the world and our part of the world and the the similarity in uh, in the colonial uh, practice. Um, uh, so and um, so, how how are you planning to spend uh, Invasion Day this year? Are you going to an event uh, or are you taking it easy on that day?
1: There are events here. Uh, there is there is protest marches. We also call call this day here. Or, uh, our ancestors called this the, um, <clears throat> a day of mourning because in uh, 1938, when the uh, British wanted to celebrate. The 150th anniversary, the the Aboriginal people here protested about that and our, our, our ancestors, and they called that a day of mourning. And later on, it became survival day for us, and we were just trying to let people know that we're still here after all the massacres and the brutality of the invasion that happened in our country. And then John, one of our Prime Ministers here, legislated that that would be Australia Day in 1994. And so we changed our tactics and said, no, this is not uh, uh, um, a day of mourning anymore. It's Invasion Day because we wanted to acknowledge our, our sovereignty. Some of us call it Sovereignty Day, Invasion Day. It has all of those kind of connotations and those kind of meanings in it, that it was a day of complete devastation for our people.
0: Now, in New Zealand, they just uh, late last year, they were uh, marking the 250th arrival of James Cook down there. Mm. It was uh, there was a debate about uh, Cook, whether he was uh, a hero or uh, not a hero and some debate about his, his role in New Zealand history. So and um, mm. so this coming year is the 250th anniversary of Cook's arrival in your part of the world yes and is that having any impact on uh invasion day um uh, this year is that uh, uh, of course all very often on uh, on that day there is paint uh, sprayed on statues of james cook are you expecting any um uh, what will be the impact of uh, this special year 250
1: there were the usual marches, uh, a couple of marches. There's one that we have, we, we commemorate the Day of Mourning when uh, our people back in the, the, the 1930s began this uh, resistance to the, uh, uh, what they called Australia Day at that time. And so we, every year we have this march to commemorate what they did and call it the Day of Mourning and have speeches about that. Uh, we also have other marches that are much more um, geared towards invasion day and uh, we then have a big celebration here called Yarbon, and uh, which is you know a gathering place to, to to celebrate who we are that we have survived and other events happen around the around the city that uh, um, are now a part of what you would call this this uh, important day that australia either commemorates, celebrates, or in in our case, we resist. And we're trying to get the date changed, actually, to some other date because it doesn't include us. Mm -hmm. We're not included in that day because it's their day, not our day. And we don't recognise it as something to celebrate or something that we have to, you know, we just look at what has happened to us and we start to mourn about it, something to cry about, something Mm -hmm. to weep about.
0: The Australian government is putting... uh a lot of money into the 250th anniversary of uh, Cook, I think about 50 million Australian dollars. What do Indigenous Australians think of that?
1: We're resisting. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, look, it's, it's just another symbol of colonialism and of empire uh, and of the disposition of our people. It's It it's re- represents all of those kind of symbols. There. It represents, you know, the, the ways in which uh, the People have confiscated our our land, have treated indigenous peoples as subhumans. You know, right up until 1993, we were still under this notion of terra nullius, no man's land. Mm -hmm. And and, uh, no one lived here. And so um, terra nullius had a huge, big impact upon our people. We lost our sovereignty, we lost our human rights, we lost... we weren't recognised as a people or a nation, there were no treaties, no self-determination. And the results of all of that is the success of po- uh, poverty that we have, we've got high teenage suicide rates, we have the highest incarceration rates of our young children. You know, We've got high alcohol and other abuses, extreme incidences of type 2 diabetes, unemployment, uh, you know, the breakdown of our family, our culture, our language, uh, all of these kinds of challenges are still here as a part of that particular 1770 declaration and as well as the um, 1778 declaration. Mm.
0: A lot of stuff in Australia is named after James Cook. Uh, highways, schools, um, and all manner of public, uh, I, I guess private uh, Buildings, uh, also, is that is is that still taking place? Or
1: uh, um, oh yeah. yeah, it's still there. I mean, we've got Cooktown, we've got a whole range of places that are named after him. Um,
0: if someone built a school uh, today, would it be named after uh, after Cook, or have things at least moved on from there?
1: Well, let's say there's a hesitancy now. I wouldn't say that it's 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 something that people will. Uh, deliberately do but they will question whether they whether they would use that particular name Uh, but that's you know we're we're trying to change that we're trying to bring back our own Aboriginal languages and uh, this last year was the year of indigenous languages and we did a lot of that work in terms of bringing back the languages of our people as well as the names of the peoples of the lands in which we live um, and some um, counties have been very, very positive in saying we will call this, you know, this part of the country here after that particular tribal people, whether it be the, the Wiradjuri. We don't get it up there as much in my country yet, but there's always these protests and actions to try to um, make the changes necessary to say that there's some, you know, there's some ancientness here that needs to be recognised. Mm. Um, Australia didn't start in 1788 or 1770. Mm.
0: And do you think uh, you're making any progress in terms of impacting the consciousness of mainstream Australians, the people who go to Bondi Beach and uh, with, um, you know, with, uh, to swim and enjoy the sun? Do you think they have any consciousness of, um, of, uh, of history and the need to change history?
1: Not really. Um, In another way, we're only about 50 odd years old anyways, because we didn't get our recognition within the constitution until uh, um, um, 1967. And so before that, even in the constitution, we weren't recognized. In section um, 127, that they that we weren't even uh, reckoned uh, as a people to be counted in the census, and in section um, 51, uh, you know, they, the people of any race other than Aboriginal people in any state for whom it is deemed to make special laws is still a part of the. Um, ways in which the we were treated right up until 1967. Those laws weren't taken out until that particular time period. Mm. So we're still living out uh, that, that 53 years of that and trying to make those changes. So it's it, this is only in my lifetime that we've seen some of these changes. We didn't get an Aboriginal education policy until 1982. Mm. We didn't see the Mabo decision until 1992 when for me the the best definition of our sovereignty was uh, spelled out not by an Aboriginal person but by a judge when he declared that the Miriam people are entitled against the whole world to four things. Possession, occupation, use and enjoyment of the lands of the Murray Islands. Mm. That's the Mabo decision in its, in its all of its uh, incredible distinctiveness and clarity. It really gave the best definition of sovereignty that I've ever seen in this country, for, not from a, an Aboriginal person, but from a, a white judge.
0: It seems that we, perhaps in, in Canada, we've made somewhat more progress than than you have done uh, uh, on the on the treaty front, at least.
1: Oh yes, yes. I mean, you've got what Section 35 in your constitution there, so you've got constitutional recognition. Yes. We can't even get that stage. Mm. <laughs> Well, actually, in the in the Commonwealth Constitution, like I just th- said before, we weren't even recognised within the first constitution that, that they came up with in 1901. Mm. Um, yeah. So we, we've got a long way to go. I mean, one of the MPs at that particular period uh, said that there was no scientific evidence that Aboriginal people were human beings at all. Goodness. Um and uh, another, you know, Reverend Samuel Marsden said that um, the Aborigines are the most degraded of the human race. Time is not yet right for them to receive the great blessings of civilization, the knowledge of Christianity. Mm. So we were right down at the bottom end of everything. We were, we were below dogs and ants and snakes and everything. Mm. And so we've only been able to get an opportunity of telling our story in the last 53 years, mm. and trying to also advocate for the uh, ways in which we want land rights, because that's, at the end of the day, that's what it is. Yes.
0: Well, Ray, I'm so glad we had a chance to uh, talk. Um, that uh, mm. I suppose one thing Cook did is he he brought us together. Uh, on this uh, call, so uh, uh, that's um, I guess that's a, a positive thing that uh, we have. We're so far away, but we have so much in common in terms of uh, our connection to the land and um, and uh, the struggles that uh, we both face. Uh, so uh, it's uh, it's been great to talk to you.
1: <laughs> yeah, Glenn. It's it, yeah. Uh, you know, it it it's all of those things, isn't it? And uh, um, I'm just so really thankful that we've been able to have you know people like yourself and others there to encourage us because sometimes we feel so alone Mm. but then when we look at uh, for example what uh, what's been achieved by indigenous people through the um, the world uh, uh, indigenous groups there at the UN now and we've got the Declaration of the Rights of Indigenous Peoples and all of those kind of instruments now that can guide our thinking collectively mm. um, to, do the, to, to get governments who've invaded us to do the right thing by, by themselves in, in one, one area, but also by the people whom they've invaded. We've got a lot of fights on so many different fronts that it sometimes feels overwhelming. Mm. But, you know, people like yourself and uh, our connections with other people that give us so much encouragement and strength to actually stand up each day and uh, say we're here we're not going anywhere this is our land what do we want land rights when do we want it now what have we got (laughs) so the fight for justice continues
0: and that's it for the program Alison Baker is the technical producer of Mi'kmaq Matters, thanks to our radio partners, Bay of Islands Radio, Voice of Bombay, CHMR, and Mealbegag, First Nation Radio. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. I'm Glenn Wheeler. Till next time.